Hi everyone, it's Sandy Cruz from Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. And I'm here to show you that balanced living works. This is especially for all you ladies over 40. We will cover a range of exciting topics with many special guests and I really look forward to this season. Bye for now. Hi everyone, welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. Today with me I have Dr. Wendy Trubo and we get into all the things relating to her and co-author Ed Levitin's new book called Dirty Girl. Now, I really, really aligned with this book because they really get into all the stuff that is around us that we really should pay attention to. I'm not going to talk too much about our conversation in the book because you're going to hear my conversation with her. And this book is not meant for anyone to feel paranoid. It's really meant to bring awareness to others that our environment may have more impact on our health and wellness than we even realize. So please listen to the interview, grab the book, and definitely let me know what you think about this episode. I am going to announce that I am looking for sponsors in the new year. My podcast has done quite well. In February, I am going to hit two years. I can provide you with stats. If you feel your company, your business aligns with Sandy K Nutrition's message, send me a message and let me know. And let's see if we can work something out and bring more awareness to your audience as well. Send me an email, sandy at sandyknutrition.ca. Of course, I'm going to ask you guys to rate, review, subscribe, share my podcast with anyone who you think might benefit. And those ratings mean the world to a podcaster. That's how we get found. That's how we get discovered. And it also shows us that our work is of value to you. So in a sense, it's giving back to us for providing you with great guests, great content, and great free information. So if you could do that, go on Apple, you scroll down a little bit, and it says, rate this podcast, write a few nice words in the review, five-star rating, and off you go. And you've done your part to actually give back to podcasters like myself when you do this. I'm very active on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. Where else? Twitter, I'm not so active. I got to get better at Twitter. I'm doing my best here, guys. But definitely go and follow me. It's Sandy K Nutrition everywhere in all of those platforms. I also have a private women's group on Facebook. Feel free to join if you are a woman over 40. You have to ask to be a member, you have to answer a few questions because it is only women over 40. That's Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen on Facebook, and it's a private group. And now I'm going to cut on through to that interview with Wendy Trubo. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have a special guest. Her name is Dr. Wendy Trubo. She is a functional medicine gynecologist, 
and the co-author of the book Dirty Girl, Ditch the Toxins, Look Great, and Feel Freaking Amazing. And this book is out soon, and I am just so excited. And to have Wendy on my podcast is amazing because this girl speaks everything that I believe in. So welcome, Dr. Trubo. Thank you. Call me Wendy, please. It's all good. I know, but you know, you are a gynecologist. You are a medically trained doctor, but you're also functionally trained. So maybe start off by telling me how you got into this industry, how you got into functional Mm -hmm. medicine. Yeah. So, so OBGYN, my dad's an OBGYN and I swore up, down and backwards that I would never, ever, ever be an OBGYN. And in fact, in med school, I said to them, I'm never going to do a surgical subspecialty. I'm really here for about prevention. So how about we just exempt me from surgery and OBGYN rotations? Cause I can focus on something else. And they said, yeah, no, that's not how it works here. So I put OB at the end of my rotation of third year and fell in love the minute I delivered a baby and took care of women. And so then I was like, oh, eat my words. I'm going into a surgical subspecialty. (laughs) So I became an OBGYN. And simultaneously, it's super stressful. And I was up all night and running around. And I was in the Bronx where we only worked 80 hours a week. Mm. But I developed celiac disease but didn't know it while I was a resident. And so my functional medicine story starts with because I was a patient and I was sick as you know what, and I could barely get out of bed, but because I'm stubborn, I was like, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get out of bed. I was, a, a t- I was already an attending at this point. And I saw my husband's mentor and he diagnosed me with celiac. And that really started me on the, whoa, there's another path here. And there are other ways that I could take the commitment to make a profound difference for women and leverage it in a way that really does make a profound difference for women. So I learned functional medicine and then I left OBGYN and now I only do functional medicine and gynecology for women. Oh, I love that. So maybe describe, so I'm Canadian from Toronto where we're used to having everything covered by OHIP. Okay. (laughs) And uh, that's our medical free, free medical system. Uh, And I always talk about that, about how, free is not enough. We need a team, really. Mm-hmm. And in the US, I do have a ton of listeners as well. But I don't know if it's 100% clear as to what is the what is a functional medicine doctor? Great question, Sandy. So it really starts with just a philosophy that our philosophy. So I'm, I'm blending five journeys philosophy and functional medicine together because I can't separate them at this point. So, so five function- journeys, that's your practice, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. your practice. And so what we say at our practice is you're meant to be vibrant, vital, healthy, alive, able to be and interested in intimacy until you're at least 100, that you get better decade over decade. And then within that, the functional medicine part is what is the chemistry that will allow you to get better? So the book, which is actually out now, I I don't know that I mentioned that to you, the book's out, it's ready to be read, and toxins are a huge part of why women don't age well and don't feel well. And so what functional medicine does is look at what's what's going on in the system. Your headache is not because you're low on Tylenol, and your stomach ache is not 
because you didn't, maybe it's because you didn't take your probiotics, but, but all of these things that we struggle with are not a deficiency of medicine. They're either a deficiency of a nutrient, a mineral, or too much of something that's making us sick or a lifestyle choice that's really harming us. So you put that together, that's you, and we look to figure it out. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, most people who listen to my podcast know my story and how thyroid was never diagnosed when it could have been diagnosed many, many years before I actually had thyroid cancer. And it's just that I didn't have that kind of advocacy way back then. So this would have been, uh, it's, uh, I think October, it was 10 years since I had my thyroid removed. However, you know, I, I look at all the women now that advocate for women's best health, especially starting. I know it started for you earlier, but especially around midlife, there's so many things that can go wrong. And, you know, I have to say this book is incredible because you break down a lot of things that in a, in a simple way, most people can understand and make changes. And it's not maybe all in a day, yeah. <laughs> right? Like we can't do it all in a day, but you know, one thing I do feel is very important. People don't understand what methylation is. And that's a really important function that helps to detoxify all the things that our body comes across, right? So yeah. maybe if you could describe what methylation is, that would be wonderful. Sure. So let me start by saying I am a genetic overachiever, which means I've got two copies of MTHFR mutations. Okay. Uh, so methylation, start big picture. Methylation yeah. is the ability to take something and add uh, a methyl group on it. And then once it's bound to the methyl group, it it's supposed to leave your body. So hormones are a great a great example of that. So women's hormones, you, you have your estrogen, it goes through your liver in two phases, phase one, phase two, phase one, your liver makes it more toxic. Phase two, you're binding it to that methyl group and you're putting it in your gut so you can poop it out. Mm -hmm. now, the minute I say poop, people are like, well, I'm constipated. I'm like, well, that's a problem. Yeah. So ding, ding, methyl ding. Right. <laughs> So there's a lot of places this can go wrong. So if you are someone who has a genetic, one or two genetic mutations in the methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase gene, or MTHFR, MTHFR or mother effer. You can say whatever you want here, by the way. It's I okay. Know, I, didn't, I didn't ask if swearing was okay. Swearing so, is good. I'm, I'm all good. <laughs> So if you have one or two copies of that, if you have one copy, your ability to properly donate that methyl group to whatever's getting found is impaired by like 40%. And if you have two copies, you're impaired anywhere from 60 to 90%, yeah. which means you have these substances. And it's not only hormones that do this. It's just hormones are such a beautiful example because women say to me, why do I have fibroids? And I say, well, you're a crappy methylator and you're constipated. So going back to this, the methylation allows you to, the, what happens in methylation is you take your B vitamins and you make them active. And when they become active, they have that methyl group to give away. So there are these donors of, of methyl and you then attach it to that bound toxic hormone, which makes it water soluble. 
you cut your hormones in your gut, and in theory, your gut's moving along normally and you poop it out. Now, if you're constipated, then all kinds of haywire things happen. Yeah. And the methylation is occurring maybe properly, but now you're disconnecting that binder from its hormone because it's just sitting there in your gut and the enzymes go to work on it. So, but at a big picture, methylation is the ability to get a methyl group, which is CH, CH4, I always confuse CH3 and CH4, so I'm pretty sure it's CH4, bound to something else that makes it less toxic and water-soluble. So you can get it out of your body. So it's kind of a long answer for... No, that's. I think that's pretty clear. And what's interesting, too, is I think a lot of women, just the women that I see in my... Um, my own practice are deficient in some of those methyl donors, right? Like B12, right? Exactly. And, and uh, just not having a proper diet to get all those really important B-complex vitamins as yeah. well. So that was I a good... You do everything right. It's hard to get. Oh. You know, because you could be... I, I mean, I will tell you, Sandy, I was like the poster child for healthy living. And I have all these fucking toxins. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we wrote the book. Yeah. But... So I think you can, I, I just don't want people to be like, oh, I have such a good diet. I must not be good enough. Well, you can do everything right. And you're still not getting enough for what your body needs. So most people are going to, if someone's saying, to me, like, what are the three top vitamins you would recommend? I'd be like vitamin D, especially up in Canada. Yes. Vitamin D, vitamin D, vitamin D, a methylated B complex and a fish oil. If you do that, you're like set. Oh, you know, like, covered. We are so aligned, I'm telling you, Wendy. Um, <laughs> okay, um, so I I love your explanation of methylation because it's really important that people just understand it at a high level, what it is and, and how important it is in the body. Um, so overall, what are the most common toxins that you've seen that build in the body? Oh. <sighs> There's okay. many I so, know. I'm I'm throwing a bunch at you because I know it's I hard know. to narrow it down. But it's like, what's your favorite child, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite child? So let's separate it into three categories. So the first category is what you're putting in your body, your food and your water. So food that's not organic, water that's contaminated in some way, <clears throat> drinking water from single-use plastic bottles where you get exposed to the endocrine disruptors. Those are the things, that's the category that's super toxic. And and I always have to preface this by saying I'm a really bad news bear and Rome wasn't built in a day and you won't be either. So you don't have to fix everything all at once. My nutritionist talks about, because she really focuses on food, that you don't have to convert your whole pantry to organic overnight. What you say is, okay, when I run out of something, now I'm going to level up. And pick a better option. Great. And keep doing that with everything. So what you put in your body is one thing, food and water. What you put on your body, and this is huge for women because the products that we use expose us to a lot of chemicals that are not in our favor. So again, leveling up, you know, when your shampoo runs out, level up, get another, get a better brand, face products, makeup. A lot of makeup has heavy metals in it, especially if it's from third world countries. So using environmental working group as as your guide which is ewg.org they're a great source for what's safe what's not safe and how do i feed you and then the thing the next category is what are you putting your body around or on so is your landscaper spraying roundup 
are there pesticides around your house? Are you doing construction and they have VOCs? Are you sitting on furniture that has formaldehyde? Are you sleeping on a bed that has been treated with a fire retardant? And so you lie in it for eight hours a night and you breathe it in and you rub it all over your body. And there's all this great stuff like, oh, sleep naked. Oh my God, no, you're rubbing up against that stuff. So those are the three big categories. Those are my three favorite children of categories. That's huge. I mean, it is huge because I've been on this mission well before I even went back to college to become a nutritionist just because my daughter, you know, she had the eczema. She had the, um, she would wake up every morning so stuffed up. And guess what we did? We bought her a new mattress. And so I'm like, hmm, maybe it's the mattress. Maybe it's the off-gassing. Maybe it's the uh, flame retardant. So, of course, I think that that's a great way to start looking at changes, right? So in the end, I ended up changing her mattress. She had a, 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 it's got like a coconut fiber base. It's all organic. It's zero VOC. It's a beautiful, beautiful mattress. And guess what? That major stuffiness went away within days. So some of these small changes can have a huge impact on our wellness. Would you agree with that? 100%. Absolutely. Um, So... You know, you we we that's those three categories are pretty huge, and yes, they're they're pretty huge. And what would you say? So, how would you recommend somebody get started? Like, how do you even start with that? Yeah, I, I would really always start with food. Okay, because it can feel super daunting, and and food is concrete. You eat it three times a day or more. So I would always start with food because it's a foundational behavior. You always have to eat. So, and and then I always really, I really believe that people make change in one of two major ways. Either you're a slow and steady person and you make incremental changes and build on it, or you're a fell swoop person and you want to clear the slate and do everything at once. So you have to figure out like, who are you? Because if you, if you give the, incremental person a huge clean slate they're going to freak Mm -hmm. and then the next part of lifestyle change is figuring out are you someone who's independent or do you need or do you need support so uh and 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 you don't have to be the same in every category in life but in in the realm of food be really clear are you going to need a coach or if you're given a plan will you be fine and most of us need a coach so if you need a coach, then you need need our nutritionist or a life coach, someone who's going to keep you accountable. So once you've figured out what, what are the four, two things, how do I say it? There's two possible ways and two options for each. So figure out what category you fall into and then make your lifestyle change. So start with food because it's foundational and food is medicine. Yes. So you can, you can fix your gut. You can fix your skin. You can, you can fix a lot of things by fixing the gut. So start there. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a great way to start. And I always say to people, go with like a good, better, best, because depending on where you live, it might not be as easy to go for the best all the time. Like I always say, obviously, like I personally do eat animal protein, but I eat animal protein from regenerative farming that's um, 100% grass fed, not 
grass-fed grain finish, but 100% grass-fed beef. So I, and I always look at the methods. How are the animals treated? All of this. But that is really, really complex for some people. So start with the, the base. Make sure you're not eating hormones. Make sure you're not eating antibiotics. Make sure you're not eating pesticides, right? Like, would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think it's funny. I asked my nutritionist, so what's better local, but not organic, Mm -hmm. uh, integrated pest management sprayed, which is lower spray or something from California that had to travel across the United States and maybe wasn't picked at its peak, but it's organic. So because I've tested my pesticide levels and they were high, I made the choice. Okay. I'm going to go for the organic from California because I was struggling with high levels of those toxins, but it's, it's individualized, but I would, and you could, but you could go for a frozen organic vegetable if you can't get it fresh. Yes. And so there's always a way to make, I think you really nailed it when you said make a better choice. That's all it is. Just level up whenever you can and don't sweat the stuff you can't. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not always that easy. But what I do find is that everything's becoming more accessible now. And, you know, back when my daughter was a baby and had eczema and she's now 16, there was nothing, nothing. Like we're talking, I, I actually ordered Melaleuca. I don't know if you remember that company. I think they're still around. But I had to order their dish detergent, their uh, laundry soap, their like because I couldn't find anything on the shelves. Whereas now we can. And so, yeah. what do you say? Now that's another category. So we talked about food. Let's talk about person. Like, let's even talk about our cleaning products first, because yes. that's a big one, right? What yeah. do you? Th- how do you help people get started with that? Oh, so it's so funny. I said to my mom recently, mom, you know, simple green we've been using for all those years. She's like, yeah, it's so great. I said, no, it is not, mom. It's really toxic for you. She's like, no. I said, yep. So I think part of it is even just questioning, starting with the question, what am I using and what's in it? Because I you know, it's the, it's the legacy stuff. For me, Simple Green was a legacy item. My mom used it, so I used it. Yeah. And then one day I went, what's in this? Because <laughs> they talk about it, because I realized it's bright green, and nothing in nature is that color. Uh-huh. It's definitely not, or bright yellow. It is not natural. So I would first start by saying, what am I using, and how did I decide to use that? You know, if it, so start with that. And then look at, what's the goal I want to accomplish? And what's my time frame? So there's tons of companies that make clean, clean supplies. Yeah. You could even just use vinegar. Household vinegar is great for cleaning. And lemon. Lemon is great too. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot of really natural ways. And then you have to decide what's your bandwidth. My bandwidth is non-existent. Uh-huh. So I don't make my own cleaning supplies because I can't cope with it. <laughs> but we... Started again with environmental working group, looked at what are the things that are the cleanest possible, and then set up a recurring. I, I set it up on recurring because back to bandwidth and having none. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. I never want to run out. Yeah. So um, so we started with environmental working group. Then we went for Aspen Clean, which is a, a company that yeah. sells all clean. I've heard of clean them. Product. We're using that. 
I just heard about another one I haven't had a chance to really look into, but there's a lot out there. There and is. Not all of them have environmental working group certification, and then but then you do the work on what are the ingredients. Go back to environmental working group. What's the impact of this ingredient? It's a lot more work though, so I usually use them to tell me what product to use because I again bandwidth none. Yeah. I can't yeah. look up twenty ingredients. Right. Right. Totally. I mean, you know, if you're a, a working woman, whether you have kids or don't have kids, whether you have a spouse or don't have a spouse, you know, we have to consider our bandwidth for sure. Cause that's, that's another thing that you talk about in your book, which I love is stress, right? It's huge. Yeah. So, um, you don't want to stress yourself out over this, but make the small changes. And just like what you were saying, there's always going to be a good, better, best solution for cleaning products as well. And you have to look at your tolerance. Like, um, is your skin itchy? Are Is there still fragrance in there? And, you know, even yeah. though it might have no effect on you, it could be really bad for me, right? We're all unique too, right? right. So, um, I love that idea of really just kind of looking at even brands and saying, I trust this brand. I've been using this brand and I feel good on this brand. I don't have issues with my skin. I don't, I don't yeah. smell the toxicity in the air when I'm using it to clean, right? So there's all these signs that our body is going to give us to say, um, you know, this is probably not a good thing for you to be using. Sandy, you bring up a really great point, and that is that if if you're listening to this and you feel the best you've ever felt, then you should basically ignore everything I say because you're optimized. You know, yeah. it's like you're you're good, you're resilient. I have people who I have a friend who she can work forty hours straight and eat anything, and she's just as fresh at the end of the forty hours at the beginning. I am a hot mess on the <laughs> floor, quivering. And if I eat anything that was off my plan or didn't work for me, I'm even worse. And it takes days to recover, sometimes weeks. So I, I don't have that kind of constitution. But there are people for whom this, it's not a problem. But most people, I call them the walking wounded, especially the women who are like, okay, I get through the day, but then my husband or partner want to have sex. And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I'm too tired. Yeah. So the walking, we can get through life, but we can't deal with much more than what we can deal with. And it usually doesn't involve a lot of uh, playtime. So if, if, if that describes you, then I go, okay, this is worth listening to and leveling up. And, and it's all, don't level up everything at once because that's overwhelming. Pick one thing, level up better. Yeah. Live with it. I like that. And, and, you know, one of the things I always say, I always talk about toxic load and everybody has a certain, it's like that bucket, right? And how yeah. much, how much does it take to fill up your bucket before it starts spilling over versus mine? Right. And we're all different. And personally, I I don't know, Wendy, if you're going to agree with this, but I believe that eventually everybody's bucket gets full. If you do ignore all the things, right. So you can be pretty good for a long time. And one of the big things that I always talk about is aging. Well, like, I want to age amazing. I don't want to be one of those people that reaches 65 and then lives another 20 years with dementia. Like, I want to do everything now, right? So, yeah. um, uh, that's all, that's what we're all about. I, I think so. I think so. Okay. So let me ask you a few just pointed questions. Microwaves. 
Good, bad. Uh, I don't, I, so I, I don't use them. Okay. I got divorced eight years ago. I got divorced from my microwave and I haven't looked back and I don't miss it. I felt that it was a toxic influence on my life. Okay. Uh, And, and again, I'm not living everyone else's life and walking in their shoes. So if what you're left with is I have a tremendous breakdown and I need to use my microwave, you should use your microwave. But don't microwave plastic. Yes. And don't eat from microwave plastic. So, again, this is the good, better, best. So if you're going to microwave, make sure it's in glass. Yeah. Don't put hot food into plastic. Don't microwave plastic. And don't eat from that, no matter what you do. So it's it, I don't use it, and I don't recommend that my patients use microwaves. But I do recognize that we live in America and you live in Canada and either way, life is really busy. Yes. So you do your best with what you've got. Avoid it if you can. I would rather eat cold food than stick it in the microwave. That's how, that's where I am. That's your stance. Okay. I don't use it very often, but I do have a funny story. Um, My daughter used to have friends come over for lunch all the time and they would sometimes heat up their food. And one of her friends, who's a male, he he goes, can I use your microwave? I go, sure. I go, but you're not going to microwave it in that plastic bowl, are you? And he looks at me, and goes, why not? I do it all the time. I go, you realize that plastics carry estrogens. He ran downstairs, told my daughter and all their friends that Lauren, your mother has said that I'm going to turn into a woman by <laughs> this. Is- <laughs> so it was so funny. But, you know, people don't realize what plastics can do. So maybe since we're on that topic, and then I'm going to ask you, secondly, why about the microwaves. But first, tell me about why you should never eat from plastics, drink from plastics, anything from plastics. Yeah, so let me qualify. So single-use plastic and heating plastic. So single-use plastic are those water bottles that we all used to love. Those... Uh, are very prone to releasing chemicals that cause serve as endocrine disruptors. And what that means is your body's doing its thing to balance its hormones. And then this thing, this chemical comes along and it disrupts what your body's doing often for the worst. And because it's a toxin, your body now needs to focus on dealing with that instead of processing your hormones. So it throws your hormonal balance off. Okay. Now, uh, I'm okay if someone says to me, I have a BPA plastic thing and I never put anything hot in it and it's never sitting in my hot car and I put some liquid in. I'm like, whatever. I don't have a problem with that because pick your battles, right? Right. If you can do a glass water bottle, great. I am on a challenge now to see how many days I can go without breaking my glass water bottle. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) What about about stainless? Do you? Uh, you I don't like the smell. I think stainless is great. Okay. I just personally don't like the smell and I would make sure you test it for lead. If it's come from another country or a third world country, 3M makes some wonderful lead test strips that you can just rub on the inside of your uh, glasses. I I have, uh, I have metal teacups that I use. Yeah. Fine. And I I tested them all and they were fine. I was like, Oh, I'm so grateful that I didn't, you know, shit the bed on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I've been for a while so if you're I think stainless is great I just don't like the smell for water for some weird reason I get that I get that and if you drink from it often like through the day 
and only wash it like at the end of the day, sometimes, like, I don't know if it's your lipstick or your saliva or whatever it is, but sometimes it leaves a scent. I agree with that for sure. So what about the heating of the plastic? That's super bad. It's super bad. That's, that causes it to release more of the chemicals that are going to lead to endocrine disruption. So it, it basically jacks up the chemical release. Um, so yeah, no bad. So microwave, I'm not going to say bad or good, but plastic, hot plastic, bad. No question. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense because, but you know, it's so funny during COVID, all these people who are talking about, you know, takeout and Uber eats and all that kind of stuff. And then they, they, you're getting all that food. Some are using card, cardboard, like cardboard. Yeah. But a lot are still using those plastic takeout containers. Your food is coming in hot in them, right? Yeah. Yeah. It freaks me out every time I see it. So microwave. Yeah, it's not your okay, just I, I just have to close off the microwave conversation. I've heard that it can limit um, the nutrient density of the food that you're heating up. It can destroy some of it. So I don't know the answer to that straight up, but here's what I'll tell you. I've read about an experiment where you would feed plants from microwaved water and the plants died. And so Mm -hmm. I said to my then fifth grader, this is the coolest study. And she ended up doing it for her science experiment. So I bought the basil plants myself. They were exactly the same. She watered one plant for a month with water that had been heated in the microwave and then cooled to room temperature and then watered the other plant with water that had been heated over a Bunsen burner and then cooled to room temperature. Okay. And she watered the same plant with the water. She never switched. Okay. Each plant got the same water. Right. And at the end of the month, the microwave water plant was dying Mm. after a month. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know about nutrient density, but it's doing something to the food that's not in our favor. Mm. Um, That is interesting. I'm always for the N of one experiments too, you know? That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a biohacker. Cause I had heard the experiment and I was like, is this true? So then I had her replicate it and she did. And I was like, this is horrifying. Yeah. And that's right around the time we got divorced from our microwave. Well, you know what? That and and like I said, I don't use mine very often. Mine is there just because when we ran out of our kitchen, we had a space for it in our island, and that's where it sits. Um, okay, another question that everybody always asks: mercury fillings. I know they don't yeah. use it anymore, so they use the white whatever. I think it's isn't it ceramic? Yeah, the fillers, yeah. So mercury is not a thing anymore, but a lot of us who are up in age, like myself, um, had <laughs> had some mercury fillings. I had two, and I had them removed. So why why should we consider getting them removed, and is there a safe way to do it? That's a huge question. So, okay, so when they're first put in, they off gas a lot. And so the mercury exposure is very high and it in theory should decrease over the years. So if you have a filling that's 20, 30, 40 years old, then it should hopefully be done with the off gassing. But when you add in, if you're someone who's not a good methylator, remember if you have those genetic mutations, 
if you're not a good methylator, your detox may not be as good. And if you have toxic exposures, oh my goodness, I just realized my phone's not on Do Not Disturb. Hold uh, on. <laughs> and I don't even know who that was. Nobody should dial me directly. Sorry about that. That's okay. So, so let me back up. If you have your your mercury fillings in for many, many years, then in theory, the amount of off-gassing that should be happening is much less. But when you put in whether you're genetically susceptible, whether you're someone who's super stressed, whether you're eating a good diet, how you do it, how do you detox in general? When you layer those things on, the small amount that it's off-gassing may really be a problem for some people, and they may not be able to deal with it. So that would be the purview of going to see a functional medicine provider and getting heavy metals tested and specifically testing for mercury and provoking it, not just testing what's in your bloodstream because your bloodstream should sequester it or, or hide it away. You're not going to have it in your bloodstream. It's in your bones, which leads to osteoporosis and your fat, which leads to an inability to lose weight, which makes women nuts because yeah. you can't lose weight. Yeah. Okay. So then you said, why would you remove it? And is it, how do you do it? So if you've determined that it's causing problems, then you're going to want to get rid of it. And what I usually say to my patients is if it's clear that you have a mercury issue, I recommend that we start treating you for the mercury and working to get it out with a, a metals removal protocol. And while you're in that protocol, go to a biologic dentist and get it taken out because they, they work really hard not to expose you to the mercury that they release as they, as they take the filling out. So and then bookend it with vitamin C IVs in your metals protocol and bump up, I do IV for metals removal too uh, with DMPS that's particularly good for mercury, do an IV. So bookend your treatment so that you've really made yourself as healthy as possible and do it in the treatment that you're doing so that it's covered by the treatment. Okay. So that's usually how I recommend doing it. Okay, that's that's good advice. I'm I'm glad I did that, got rid of mine. That was many years ago. So yeah. hopefully that's, that's, you know, dead and buried. Um, here's a question for you. Yeah. Um, heavy metal testing, you touched on it. Yeah. So there's blood. You mentioned blood. What yeah. about hair trace mineral analysis? Because like, so, what do you think of that? So, so let's talk about the different ways you can do it. So yeah. You can test blood and blood like for, for kids who you're worried about having had a lead exposure, blood's pretty good for looking at whether they're toxic, but it doesn't look at what's stored in the body. Right. It's just looking in the bloodstream in that moment. So if you've had some kind of clear exposure and it's time related, like, you, you know, you got exposed on Monday and got your blood drawn on Tuesday, that's probably valid. But generally blood is only looking for, are you toxic? And it's used as a screening tool. So if it's in the bloodstream, that catches your attention, okay? But it's almost inevitably negative because your body recognizes, oh my God, this is a toxin. Let's get this out of here. And you store it in your fat, in your bones, and your organs, okay? Then you can do hair. Uh, let me back up a step. You're going to naturally get rid of some metals, but depending on how good of a detoxer you are, that determines how much you're going to get rid of. And what you get rid of, you can see unprovoked in the urine and in your hair. So your hair will show whatever you're starting to get rid of if you're getting rid of it. But if you're someone like me, I'm very loyal to my toxins. Uh. We, 
Well, we love each other deeply and I don't <laughs> apparently don't want to let them go. So someone like me who really has high levels of stored mercury and lead and it was locked down, my detox ability was locked down. So you're not going to see any of that in the urine or the hair or the blood because it's all been sequestered and stored away. And so the only way to really get to it is to provoke it with uh, medicines that bind to the metals and then you pee it out. And so you do a provoked metals test. That's the way you see what's in the body. But there's a caveat because if you're someone like me who's a shitty detoxer and it's locked down, think of it like a spigot that's rusted shut. You're not going to really see the true picture of what's there until you start to jack up detox, improve it, help your liver, deal with the food, deal with the sleep and stress, and start to get those out of you. Only then can you really see what's in you. So the first, the first couple pictures aren't, aren't always the most accurate because you can't even show it. You've locked it away. Oh. So it's pretty horrifying when you really get into it. Yeah, that, I mean, it sounds like it. So, yeah. you know, I know I did, um, I've done hair trace mineral analysis a, a couple of times. And I did one before I, we built a therapy room. So instead of building a home gym, we built a therapy room. So we have uh, infrared sauna, we have uh, near and mid um red light therapy. So we, we built all of this and before yeah. the sauna, I had a lot of stuff showing up on my HTMA test. And then actually I've had it, we've had that now for, I don't know, four years or something like that. And, you know, I hardly have any toxins in my body now. I'm like, I'm so clean. How's that happen? Yeah. So sauna is a great way. What do you think of sauna and red light therapy and that sort of thing? Uh, so we're filming this as COVID starts to hopefully draw to a close. And last year I turned 50. And instead of going to Italy, we finished our basement because uh, we were like, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, not going. And we were of doing all this. We were writing the book last year during COVID. And when it became apparent what a hot toxic mess I was, even though you, you wouldn't know it, I was just losing my hair and I was 10 pounds heavier. So for me, those were the tipping point things. But so we put in an infrared, near mid far infrared sauna because I was like, well, we're not going to Italy. Might as well buy a sauna. Like, let's, yeah, sure. let's, let's divert the funds. So I'm a huge fan of saunas. Um, the hotter, the longer, the better because it really does mobilize toxins at a very deep level and gets them out of you. And also um, the red light therapy. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of everything is better than nothing. So obviously most people aren't going to just go finish their basement and buy a sauna. Like that's just yeah. not in a lot of people's future right now, but you can get a portable sauna, mm -hmm. make it up, let it on gas. You can get a portable sauna that collapses down. You can get a, infrared blanket yes you can get you can get the light there's a lot of ways that you can level up you can go to a gym that has a sauna so everything is better than nothing so just pick the thing that's the most accessible and do it yeah I love that mm -hmm. I love what you're saying because you're right there are uh, and I was actually just looking, uh, she's another practitioner in Toronto and we were just looking, she's like, I got to figure something out that 
will fit my space. Because if you don't have a big space, and so we started researching low EMF. Um, it's great if you could get the near, mid, and far, um, right? You want the, the full spectrum. At that time when I did mine, I could only get, I have the far infrared heat sauna, and then I have the near and the mid um, juve panel. You know, the big panels? So, you know, yep. you rotate like a turkey. So <laughs> it's like, anyway, but whatever it is that works, if you budget for it, then, you know, you can find something that fits your space, fits your budget, which I love. And it's a great way to detoxify a lot of this. Now, um, I, okay, explain the holy trinity of stress. On the body. Because I read that in your book. I'm like, oh my God, I love the way you talked about this. Yeah, so I call it the Holy Trinity, and I don't want to offend anyone who's religious because yeah. I don't mean to usurp I don't mean to usurp any religious references, but it just fit perfectly. So you in your body you have your adrenals, which are your fight, flight, or freeze. And when you're at the age I am, the adrenals are doing most of your hormone work too. So they're they're the what they're what put out your testosterone, estradiol, and progesterone. So that's that's what's keeping you sane in menopause and in the perimenopause. So there's your adrenals, there's your liver, which is responsible for keeping your blood sugar good uh, with the pancreas, but that's going to store your sugar stores and for detox. And then there's your gut, which is the repository for all the stuff you want to get rid of. Okay, and it's a whole microcosm unto itself, and it runs us. But so the adrenals, essentially think of it like circling the drain. The adrenals can, when you get stressed, we're super primitive. So you have this stressor and you're like, oh, my boss is such a jerk. I hate my boss. I'm going to leave my job. Cortisol gets jacked up. Fight, flight, or freeze gets kicked in. And what you do is you see in your liver, there is a lion about to eat us. You need to get some sugar in this system immediately. Now, Maybe your liver puts some sugar stores out and maybe it doesn't, but all of a sudden you must, and I repeat, you must eat something that's carby, sweet, or salty because you are craving. You're like, I need something immediately because what the body has just done is signaled. I need some quick energy to run away from a lion, not realizing it's just your stupid boss whom you need to leave. Okay. So your liver shuts down and stops detoxing because you're like, dude, liver, stop focusing on detox. Focus on getting us away from the lion. So the liver doesn't do its detoxing. You're getting away from the And then your gut gets the signal from the adrenals. Guys, right now, digestion is not a priority. Running from the lion and survival is. So you shut down your digestion. This is the holy trinity. And if you can unlock that stress effect, then everything starts to be able to work again. But when you're in fight, flight, or freeze, or survival, you are not focusing on detox. Detox is a, is a thriving behavior and survival is obviously survival. So you want to get, and survival will always, always overcome thriving behaviors if, if there's a choice, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to maintain life over um, procreating, over thriving, over feeling amazing. You're just going to survive. Yeah. So that's the Holy Trinity. And, and, and it really tracks back to stress because there's stress coming at us from every venue right now, right? Like everything is stressful. So how do we mitigate it and manage it so that it doesn't send this whole cascade off into things like we didn't want to, we weren't running from a lion. We were just stressed. 
wasn't life or death, but the body doesn't know that. Oh, I love that whole explanation because, you know, really it kind of begins with the whole stress thing. And a lot of it has to do with perception and how we perceive that stress, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and we're all unique in that. And I tend to be more of a jumpy person. I tend to react more as opposed to thinking. And so, you know, there's a lot of lifestyle recommendations that can be given here. We won't get into all of them, but you know, things that can kind of help you in that respect. You know, I know meditation has helped me tremendously, even though it's really hard for me to do it. It's super, super hard, but you know, I make that effort because I know it makes me a less reactive person to those things. Yeah. Right. So Okay, here's another question. I'm just throwing all these at you because you're just a wealth of information, Wendy. I just love talking to you. Um, Would you agree that in order to properly detox, because I'm not going to tell you what I think, but in order to really do, you know how you go to a health food place and then they're like, oh yeah, do this detox. And it's this major detox, major cleanse. Would you believe... Or do you not believe that you need to be strong in the first place? Like you got to build that strength up before you can actually detox. What are your thoughts on that? It's, it's sort of circular. It's a huge question. It sounds like a really simple question. But it's huge. So, so there is a category of people who, until they get rid of their toxins, well, let's back up. What they're offering is not necessarily detox from toxins. It's sort of detox your food. Detox, detox your the liver, kind of whatever. Yeah, I think that's, or, or like a dry January, those, those are all really impactful, but they aren't necessarily sustainable. And so I, I think we want to distinguish what are the things that you do from a foundational standpoint to care for your body and what becomes not negotiable. That's food, sleep, stress reduction, exercise, healthy relationships, being kind to yourself, having a community, you know, having, having a group who are on the journey with you. So those are the foundations. And I know it's a lot. And then there's the, hey, the seasons are changing. It's going from winter to spring. This is a good time to wake the body up and let's do something to challenge the body. Or, hey, I've really not been so kind to myself, so let's do a reset and remind me how good I felt when I did X, Y, or Z. Um, I'm a huge fan of resets. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of fads because... The goal isn't to do the program and then go right back to how you were. The goal is to do the program and use that as an opportunity to move forward and improve mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of, I'm going to drink myself like crazy, do the detox then go back to drinking. That's not the goal. I would say, don't okay. bother. Just keep drinking it's, because it's hard on your body to just sort of. Yes, from one yeah. Totally. And there's so many people who are like that. It's like, okay, Christmas, I'm going to shove everything I possibly can into my mouth because it's Christmas. And then I am going to detox in January and I'm going to start exercising in January. It's like, hold on a minute. You should be doing these things all year round just to kind of, right? Yeah. But if January serves as the launching point, I'm all for it. I just... It's funny. Um, my, I hate Mother's Day because I don't see why you should treat me nicely only one day of the year and celebrate me only one day of the year. True. I run for life and I make sure that you are fed, watered, healthy, 
emotionally, physically, you should celebrate me every day. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. So if it serves as a launching point, great. If it serves as a sort of, I'm going to do this blip again, back to the drinking blip, go back to drinking, then it's not so healthy. Yeah. But, but again, it could serve as that, as that opening, which is phenomenal. True. True. It could serve as that. I'm going to make some changes in my life. And, you know, as opposed to a New Year's resolution that happens and then goes away after four weeks. Right. So. Yeah. I feel like if it's worth doing, let's get started. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, Okay. You talk a lot about mercury and fish. Maybe give us some really quick tips on what to look for, because we all know that fish is so important and healthy, but nobody wants that excess mercury, right? So it's your favorite fish. So the tuna, swordfish, mahi-mahi, Chilean sea bass, those are the the big predator fish who eat other fish. Those are the ones you really want to avoid, especially the fatty parts of them, which are the most flavorful, tasty, melt-in-your-mouth things but those are the things that have the highest mercury in it. And it's easy to, I call it sort of dive down the greased slope. It's not just fall off the wagon. It's like dive on the slide and wind up down at the bottom and realize, Oh, I'm now eating a heavy mercury fish every week. Maybe that's not so good. So the goal would be have those be special occasion fish or don't eat them at all. What about halibut? Isn't halibut a really large fish too? I think it is. Uh, I need to look. Well, like salmon can get pretty big, but it's not necessarily a predator fish. So the problem with predator fish is that they're accumulating the mercury in all the smaller fish, and it's cumulative. Okay. So you want to look out for the fish that eat others. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up because now I'm like craving fish and chips, but I always get mine baked. But anyway, go on. Sorry. (laughs) I'm thinking food. It's close to lunch hour, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. So go on. And then, so the ones that we should be looking at eating are more what? Um, smaller. So salmon's totally fine. Uh, trout is fine. And again, this is where the bet, good, better, best comes in because um, I know people don't always like to eat farmed, but on the other hand, you don't want to overfish. So you're going to have to make those, those judgment calls. What's what feels right in your ethics code essentially uh, but if you're going to eat a farmed fish make sure it's clean mm-hmm. and that they've tested it and those fish you don't have to worry about mercury if it's farmed you don't it's not eating other fish it's eating food but then you have to worry about what's the quality of the food that went into that fish so there's always a trade-off at this point um, so any fish that's small is probably fine you know if you go fishing and you catch a fish that's 10 inches it's fine yeah you can eat that Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's really good advice. And the other thing I always look for is if it's wild caught, a lot of times, so I'm not sure what you think about this. A lot of times they'll have a sustainability um, certification, but I think I read somewhere that that sustainability certification may not mean what you think it means. So it gets really complicated. It really does. So I would say, Go to start with what's your bandwidth for this. Go for easy, low-hanging fruit. Don't eat the huge predator fish. It's pretty safe to eat the smaller fish. And then start to wind your way through what, what fits my values and what's going to work in my, in my life. And can I even do that research? Okay. 
Okay. What about glyphosate? Glyphosate is a huge topic. And explain a little bit, because everyone knows the word glyphosate. What exactly is it, though? It's uh, the most widely used pesticide in the world. And now, because it's so widely used, there are crops that are Roundup ready, glyphosate ready, so that they don't get killed when you apply glyphosate to it, but it kills everything else. And it's uh, cancer promoting, endocrine disrupting, pretty nasty for us. And it's toxic. So um, it's, it's otherwise known as Roundup. So your landscaper uses it to spray your yard so it looks beautiful. It's on the food that you're eating because it, uh, it prevents, it, it allows the the food to grow and not have the pests eat it, pesticide. So it, it's ubiquitous it's everywhere, actually. And it's pretty bad for you. So one way to get around it is by eating organic. Don't allow your landscaper to spray. Don't spray your yard with stuff. Ask your neighbors not to spray, especially if you have children who are whose brains are developing. This is really not in their favor. Right, because there's such a thing as drift, right? So if you're right, but you know, asking, oh my gosh, Wendy. So I use a a very uh, natural form of landscaping. um, And I, what, what they use does not require signage. And so I do not, whatever is used on my lawn, they are not required by law to put a sign on there. Whereas when I take my dog for a walk, I see so many and I'll even kind of pull my dog aside like, yeah, don't pee there. Don't sniff there. Go to the next lawn, right? Just because if you see a sign, that right there is your warning. Because I know here in Canada, we have some pretty strict laws in terms of when you have to put a sign and a warning and when you don't. So... But it's really, it's it's a fine line, right? Because asking your neighbor not to use that might not be that great for your neighborly relationship, right? Uh, I, I think it falls in the realm of, you don't want to come down like a hammer. No. But when you're casually chatting, you can bring up some of the things that you had heard about and the harms and um, explore whether there would be something they would consider using that would work for them in their budget, but that might be a little less toxic. Both totally. for them and for you. Totally. No, I I mean, I agree with that. And my next door neighbor asked me who I use. And then they, you know, it's more about, um, I always love to take the positive side. Oh, I noticed you're using a landscaper. And oh my gosh, the one that I use is so good and it's clean. And look at how yeah. beautiful my lawn looks. Exactly. <laughs> so there are definitely good ways of doing it. Okay. Now, I know we're we're coming up close to an hour, but I could literally talk to you forever. But this is a big one. We talked about cleaning. We talked about personal care products. Um, we didn't talk about clothing, but we can just touch on that because I actually, there's a Canadian program here. It's kind of like 60 Minutes, and it's called W5, and they actually just had a big news release on clothing coming from China that is sprayed with formaldehyde and all you know when you open up that box and the smell but the smell to me makes me almost nauseous and I have a teenage daughter who will go and order clothes from these cheap overseas and they're like 
I got this bikini for 10 bucks, mom. And then I open it up and it's like, bam, like in my face. And they did a whole segment on this. So, you know, for clothing, what do we look out for? We got to wear clothes, right? Yeah, you got to wear clothes. So always wash it before you wear it. Yes. That would be the easiest take home message is always wash it before you wear it. Okay. Well, there's that. And then there's the smell. You could get better. You could level up. You go, okay, I'm only going to wear organic cotton. Um, But that may not work for everyone. So if you're going to, I'm not wearing organic cotton. Although this is cotton, that's not organic. So it, you have to always wash it before you wear it and um, just don't, please don't wear it without washing it because the chemicals in it are really toxic for you. Okay. Yeah. 100%. I keep telling my husband and my son to wash their socks before they put them on and then they just go straight in the drawer. I'm like, what is it about socks? Why do you think they don't need to be washed when you first take them out of the package? Anyway, that's just kind of... Your skin is a huge absorption. Your skin is the largest organ and it will both help you and harm you because it'll absorb, it'll release, but it'll absorb. So you want to not giving stuff to absorb. Yes. And parents who have teenage daughters who are ordering from some of these overseas, don't do it because just don't. And and don't even the one woman, she tested the, the, some of these um, fabrics and what they were treated with, even after multiple washes because of this special treatment doesn't come out. So if it really smells bad, be careful, right? This has been an incredible conversation. And I just want to ask you, is there anything else you'd like to add? Where can we find you? Tell me more about that. Thanks, Amy. So our company is fivejourneys.com. That's five, F-I-V-E, journeys.com. And the book Dirty Girl is for sale on our website, and um, also on Amazon. It's everywhere. Okay, perfect. And I will have that in the show notes. And I thank you so much for this conversation, Wendy. It's been wonderful. But I could talk to you for hours, and I'm sorry I have to cut it. That's okay. That's okay. Thank you, Wendy. Join me next week where I cover off more exciting topics. I hope to continue to engage you and excite you and show you that living in your 40s, 50s, and beyond can be exciting, balanced, and healthful. Bye for now.